0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Blackstest
1: Furnace with me, Robert. With me, Pete. Man like Mo, yeah, he's a deep voice in that. for me. I heard my no voice back. and I was like, yo. Hey, don't cut me off like that, fam.
0: Friend. Finally back. <laughs> but yes. Come, friendly- I know where
1: you live, you know. I'll come to your house, i you come to
2: your house, house bro. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> so unnecessary. <laughs>
0: Anyway, the furnace is full.
2: Mm, hey, only is it full,
0: it's oh. overflowing.
2: Hey.
0: It's been a while since there's been this much testosterone on the furnace.
2: What? What? <laughs> That's not where I thought you were going with it, but okay. Oh,
0: well, yeah. So we have three very special guests today. We've got mm. David, we've got Ayo, we've got Ade. Thank you guys for coming down at Indeed. such late notice. Because mm. I think I asked Peter, what, a couple days ago?
2: Well, yeah, and then I only asked him today. <laughs> 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 I completely forgot and only reached out today. So, so I really appreciate you guys coming Thank
0: down. you for well, making the time. Um, just going to say from now, Peter, you're going to have to slap on that 18 plus oh, sticker on this episode. Straight away. <laughs> but yeah, right. um, do, do you want to do Sorry Not Sorry? Or do you want to just jump into...
1: Hey, do you know what? Let's do Sorry Not Sorry. I'm in the hot seat because I haven't been in for a minute. I'm curious to see what these men are going to drop. I feel like there's going to be some interesting questions here. All
0: right, but before we do that, I have a story.
1: Okay. I, 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 I need to share my pain for the day. Story time. So
0: it was the work Christmas party today, right? It's November, but it's Christmas party. In
2: November, you have Christmas parties.
0: Before. I know, right? And yeah. it's, it was my first. It's my first ever work Christmas party, so I was so excited. It was giving me the opportunity to finally buy a Christmas jumper, so I got one specially for 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 the. For, for the Christmas party, and let me just show you what. Let me just show you. Let me give you the. Uh, oops, no, sorry. I love the covers belly. That's mad.
1: Come on, street fire fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Cool. Nice. So I got it. I was excited. I was ready for the day. I get into the office. They're like. <laughs> No, you know, there was, there was, there was, there was this one girl, one colleague, and she's from South Africa. You know how South Africans have that accent that sounds like they're like British, like posh British. She was like, "Oh, Robert, uh, what is that on your T-shirt? Is that people doing kung fu?" <laughs> 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 and I was like, "No, no, I, I didn't shout because seriously, his voices." I was like, "No, oh, no, it's it's tree file. And like, you know, so I was like, "Oh, oh," pretending like they know what you're talking about, yeah, but they don't know, you know what you're, you're talking about. And there were like 16, 70 people that we went with for Christmas stuff. Not a single person knew who was on this, the shirt. Seriously? What? What? I was. Wow. I'm thinking I'm in the wrong place. Oh. <laughs> but oh, it was God. a nice Christmas dinner. We had a nice Christmas activity, which was great. And then That's I had nice. my first after work going to the pub as well.
1: That's so interesting.
0: I, so now I feel proper British now.
1: I've lived Cause the British experience. Because you went to the pub.
2: Yeah. For, for after work drinks. Uh. How does that work? Because you work for a church.
1: Oh, bro. Them man back it. Are you Them yeah? man back it.
0: Brother, how can this be. be, be bro, between, ayo, what scene? sort
1: of Nollywood <laughs> film are you on? <laughs> 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 just,
3: need, you just, need the, you just need the music behind you know,
1: I'm,
3: I'm going to put it on auto and just let it stay right.
1: I see red lights. I'm like, yo, what's <laughs> on?
0: But yeah, I work, <clears everyone> they <throat> around saying that they're going to do a pub, a pub crawl. Like through all the places, through Kensington. So... they
1: like getting sloshed. You know, it's 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 a church but it's still Britain, you know. It, it, do you know do you know what, yeah, when I when I worked in the church, uh, I may have dropped the name of the church on the podcast before. Hey, if you it is what it is, man. When I worked in the church, like they would literally have um a Christmas party in the pub. Like they'll go to the pub to have the thing. Um, but they did that for those who were like in the in the pub. Mm. so yeah like yeah they folded it in they folded it in
2: interesting I, I, I what's the what's the demographic though robert of like age demographic of your workers i'm I'm surprised no one recognized street fighter because that's not so you.
0: so in my office i think they're mostly all. Oh, there, there's only like a couple people younger than me and that's, that's like 26 not... 28 and the rest are, like, anywhere between, like, 35 upwards.
1: Yeah. It's, it's the demographic. It's the demographic. Mm. It's not, not but... the age demographic, but the demographic.
0: I oh, know, but, like, Street Fighter is, like, universal. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it is, is universal.
1: It is. It <clears throat> is universal. But, yeah, but, yeah, when you come from a certain... Um, you know Let me not get into it. It's cool. Let me get into it. For <laughs> my man... My man walks into work in yes. his P P sixty five or whatever just on the you. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, cool. That was my that was my woes. I just need to get off my okay. chest. Thanks, sorry, guys. Alright, so Moses wants to be in the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Um I think guys have all been on the podcast before. Um but yeah, sorry not sorry, is when we just be throwing what's it called?
2: Um
0: so it's like an it's like an apologetic style question round where he just throw questions out at at whoever's in the hot seat and they have to come up with their best answer. And Mo has decided to be in the hot seat this week. So if anyone's got a question for him, theology-based or otherwise, let him have it. Mm.
2: So I, I had, a, <clears throat> I had a, a, a question that stemmed from our Bible study we did on Tuesday, so Adi will probably be grinning. And thankfully, I'm not asking Ade because because of that, an hour long Bible study ended up being two hours, two and a half hours because of this question. Um, but I'll throw the question at you, Mo, which is, um, actually I'll make it much more specific. Um, surrogacy. Surrogacy, oof. Okay. Is it a biblical concept that you would, adv- not, not even really is a biblical concept, but would you advise a Christian
1: to do or not to do surrogacy if they were considering it? Okay, so as a, as a case a of Christian couple. They, being, they being another person's surrogate, or they like the husband impregnating somebody else and then taking a the baby, or either e- way. E- either way, yeah. Okay. Not
2: impregnating someone else, but
1: um someone else carrying their baby okay so not the physical act but no definitely putting not an embryo acts. into it okay Put i mean concubines and that if, if your wife <laughs> is cool with it but <laughs> no embryos so <laughs> embryo, technological um, question yeah so i think old testament wise we see um the patriarchs talking about the brides talking about this my handmaid will bear a child and the child mm. will be mine mm. and so that notion of surrogacy is there um or mm. i i i would understand that as surrogacy in terms of even uh yeah i would understand that in sur- surrogacy and even that trajectory of if a wife's husband dies then the brother takes him on takes her on and then the first child is then the brothers yeah, to yeah. perpetuate that lineage and would that be classified as surrogacy because technically you're bearing a child for somebody else, yeah mm-hmm. and it's taken on the other person's name and lineage um in a soul yeah essentially um and so there it's almost and that's encoded into the law where it's just like yo, this is what we do to perpetuate the names of those who have um those who have passed in within that specific context. But also Abraham um impregnated his wives, I've forgotten her name, Hagar. Hagar, yeah, yeah. And um um Israel. Not Israel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Israel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Israel, obviously Rachel and Leah.
2: They are
1: he ended he ended up, both of them came up with next two yeah, and then yeah. boom doing their thing. Yeah. Um in, in those, we kind of see things. I, I would, I almost, so because of those, I wouldn't be able to say a hard, fast no. Hmm. I wouldn't be able to say a hard, fast no. Um, but I would almost bring it down to, especially since there's no penetrating happening in that situation. So technically it isn't um, cheating. It isn't adultery um i would put it down to a marital decision Mm. for you as a couple to decide if this is something that you want to do um seeing allowances in the bible for it um and some can argue trusting god to open your womb Mm. because even when um abraham and sarah they were like god was like you're gonna have a child. And Sarah was like Sarah's like, nah, have my handmaid, have Hey he guy, and like God was like, no, no, I will open your room. We have Samuel, his mum, who wasn't able to get pregnant, God opened mm-hmm. up her room. Like um we have Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth, God opened up his her room. So we have in, like repeated instances where Um, fertility has been a sign of God's blessing upon the marriage, upon the Mm -hmm. woman, upon the union. And so there there is also space for argument as to, yo, just pray for fertility, pray that God will do this. Um, But I don't see the Bible being explicit against um, surrogacy, Mm -hmm. Um, but actually folding surrogacy into the narrative of, the redemptive narrative, even with Naomi and Ruth, Mm. um her first child and be like I'm like I'm, I'm gonna Naomi's like I'm gonna take that child as mine and nurse the child and stuff so there is that notion of surrogacy there and so I would very much just say yo if you're struggling to have a child um technology is at that space where you can have a quote-unquote concubine without actually doing the concubining mm-hmm. um yeah if you as a couple are cool with that go for it but it would definitely be a case of pray around it. Mm. See if you both have, have peace around that. Um, and also the challenge of what would it look like to trust in God for fertility.
2: Mm. That's good, that's good. I'm, I'm very happy with that. It wasn't, I mean, yesterday's, the not yesterday, Tuesday's conversation see the Bible study was a lot more far reaching. Um, and surrogacy was just one small point mm. of it, but, I do, I really like the comparison to less technologically assisted surrogacy that is in the bible mm. that's resulted in legitimate children um, yeah. and now the technology just allows for it without the adultery so yeah no that's that's dope that's a dope uh, that's a dope response yeah I'm happy with that
1: Adi are you happy with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: You're muted if you're talking. Yeah, I see, but yeah.
0: Well, I'm not talking.
3: No, no, no I'm, saying, I don't. I, didn't, I was going to okay. say Robert
0: because yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah, He's trying, yeah. he's trying so hard not to not to start another two hours. But I know, so, I know. Trying not
1: to pull me up. as a heretic in that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. Hopefully, I don't spill with us, hey, Robert. And does 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 anyone else have a question for? They they want to throw him as his way.
3: No, just because of Pete's question. Uh, and as a newcomer new here, well, I and mean, then as a guest, I'll throw one at uh, Mo something I saw, I think yesterday actually, uh, either on Twitter or Instagram. So apparently there was a wedding uh, somewhere, I don't want to say what part of the world, and the pastor had been asking the couple pre counseling, I mean, pre uh, before the marriage day, during the counseling, that um, after they kept themselves, you know, no premarital sex. And they've been saying, yeah, they've, they've done that. And then on the day, the guy took them to his office, you know, just before the ceremony started and he said, nah, you just gotta shake it off. The Holy Spirit keeps pushing, nudging him that You should ask them again, have you guys had sex before marriage? And they said, no. And then it turned to the bride-to-be and said, are you sure this man hasn't touched you? And she said, no we've only kissed and he's touched me, like touch touch. Uh, And the man apparently walked out of the office and said to the guest... Oh, Uh, the
1: juiciest part. I I, I, I,
3: I missed it, I missed it. Oh yeah, the the suspense, right? So man walked out of the office and said to the guests, uh, I know you guys came for a wedding, but unfortunately we're not gonna be able to proceed with this and then didn't carry on with the wedding. Now, was he right? No.
2: Wrong.
3: I mean, there's so many questions <clears throat> baked into that. But what do you think about that?
1: No, he was wrong. <laughs> do you he want to elaborate? Just, you just, don't because
3: Exactly. exactly just, just. <laughs> you don't if you think about it, they, they, lied, they lied to him, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And, you know, the church had the principle that he had clearly asked about. And, they, you know, in a sense, they denied uh, what you asked about. So, considering all of that, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and obviously the fact that you're calling off, it's pretty terrible. Obviously, mm-hmm. but yeah, what do you have to say about that? He all things wrong. considered, he was wrong. Okay.
1: You don't, you don't cancel. You you don't stop people from making a covenant before God because of a mistake, even if they've lied, even if whatever. Um, they are about to make a covenant to. They are about to make a commitment to themselves and a covenant before God and before man. You don't walk out and cancel it. You have you have taken you have taken that position to be uh, like judge, executioner, whatever that thing goes, and just be like, bro, run me back my peas. <laughs> yeah, every single thing that I paid for this wedding, run me back my peas. Like it's yes, they shouldn't have lied they shouldn't have done these things there's a totally different way to handle it you could have been like some things have come to some things have come to my attention that weren't discussed blah 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 whatever you could have addressed it in a totally different way rather than just coming out and saying the wedding's done yeah i would be fuming even if i was in the wrong and i lied i would be fuming because you don't like bro And I'm not saying, shall we sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. But there is grace, bro. There is grace, bro. And the way you handled that situation, there was no grace. For you to shut down the wedding, I am about to make a commitment to this person. Hmm. So even if we had had sex, my commitment now almost then... Puts whatever happens after this before God we can deal with that afterwards you can pull mm-hmm. us to the side and like lay into us you can do that afterwards but don't annul this commitment because of that. you can walk us through why that was wrong, all of them stuff there afterwards or even if you want to like be passive aggressive during the during the actual <coughs> wedding do your thing <laughs> Obviously, there's still going to be issues there, but to cancel it, yeah, I'm fighting you, fam.
3: <laughs> you do lose my ear, bro.
1: I'm fighting you, fam. like it's mad. Are you? Well, everyone's come out to come back to come to my wedding, and you step out talking about, oh yeah, there's no wedding because yeah, fam. You see, you see, Robert's Robert's jumper. Yeah, that's going down.
3: <laughs> now, my, my my thought was, why didn't why didn't anybody ask? Is there any other pastor in the in the building? Yeah, to this, hard, this thing, yeah,
1: bro. Anyone verified <clears throat> to do Because it? it's yeah, you like. Why are you, go- bro? If these people weren't Christians, and they're going to get married in the church, it's almost taken at face value that you guys have really knocked boots.
2: Hmm.
1: Are you going to annul my commitment to this person? You're going to deny me from committing myself to this person before God and before men, because we've had sex. No, that don't make no sense. Yes, the Bible. No, like I think his,
3: his his reasoning was more of because they didn't declare it,
1: right? They yeah. lied to him, bro. Bro, has uh, he not lied before? Yeah, bro. Yeah my Yeah, my my thing is I'm, like, I'm he, really not
3: trying yeah. to de- de- deny this guy. I'm just trying to. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like
1: we're I'm not, not trying I am, to know what? I, I feel like he would he would be one of those mm. pastors that would talk. You seen a video where the guy said, like, "If you get to heaven and I'm not there, you have gone to hell." Okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> he's one of them. He's one of them, man. You one of them Everyone's like,
2: you, rapture's yeah. happening. It's like, no, I'm still here. It's not the rapture. I'm still They're here. Just, this not... this yeah. I'm still
1: here. They've been kidnapped. Like, bro. Yeah. Nah. Because, yeah, that was yeah. not gracious whatsoever.
4: No, nah, it's it's a case guy. of, you know, judge, jury, executioner, like you said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Taking mm. on mm. taking it. so it's yeah. like, it's either you yeah. meet my criteria or not. Which is, yeah. 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 There's a bit of a lack of I get that. Yeah.
1: Yeah yeah mine is just he He made a mistake yeah. mm-hmm. that was a severe mistake
2: it also seems counterintuitive because one of the reasons paul gives for marriage and they're not not and the big reason but one of the reasons is to avoid sexual sin and so it's Bro. like this is this this is almost part of the solution to it and Bro. you're like no <laughs>
3: <laughs> go, on, carry on. On. go on. back and keep oh. doing what you're doing
1: Imagine yeah you have woken up this morning, and let's be real as married men, the day of your wedding you're like yo it's about to go down tonight so all all of the years of you holding mm-hmm. the floodgate down, yeah you mentally you're there. mentally you are there you're in you're in you're in the church, but mentally you're already in a hotel, you're there. and a man comes out, you can't do it what fact, I would pray and be like, God, today my sin is on the pastor. (laughs) My sin today (laughs) is on the pastor. (laughs) He will have to repent on my behalf. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) What? (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Any others? I'm enjoying this, man. Adi, have you got a question? David? For for Mo?
5: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Mo's in the hot seat today.
5: Okay, okay,
2: okay,
5: okay. It could be any theological question. Hey, yo,
1: bro,
2: (laughs) 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 how how deep can I go?
3: (laughs) It's
1: true, we have to find out the parameters. (laughs) No, absolutely anything, absolutely anything, anything. absolutely. And, And
2: like with sorry, not sorry, a valid answer is I don't know. And, and
5: hopefully it's the answer. So yeah, don't worry. Anything you want. Okay. I had this question in one of our Bible studies, and I just want to ask it again, maybe the answer. So basically in Matthew 27, um, verse 52, uh, you know, it says that when, this is when Jesus had died and cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost that the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose uh, and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many uh, what, what was the incident that happened there is that is that like um uh, how, how would you describe what happened there what happened to those saints did they die again are those saints of old what's the theological mm. perspective that you have on that on that scripture
1: this is one of them i plead the fifth type questions um it's one of those places you go through you never go to whoa this there's no stop signs on that passage nah. it's just it's just a mm. road um but the way the way that i have almost understood it or i've always approached it has been um jesus being the first fruits or the holy spirit being the first fruits of the last but jesus being the first to be raised after the resurrection um, obviously, we have Lazarus being raised um beforehand. Then there was another um man who was raised who was a widow's only child. And so, yeah, as Jesus was walking past, he was dead. Jesus told him to stop the coffin, he touched the body, body arose. Um I almost um understood it as verification of the resurrection which the jews believe in in um, as one of the signs of the messiah um, so not only is the messiah raised but all those who will be found in him will be raised as well and almost being like um a sign or or a testament to that um, but because it wasn't widely reported so the other synoptics don't say it um john's gospel doesn't say it either so it, I almost see it as a um, specific going to the people that they they knew mm. and revealing themselves to them. Um, but seeing it as um, along the lines of when Jesus spoke to Mary and Martha around Lazarus and saying there will be a resurrection, and it's like, oh, we believe that there will be a resurrection like later on. And Jesus is like, no, I am the resurrection and the life. I almost see that as bleeding into that in that after the resurrection of jesus they then saw the resurrection um of others um but also recognizing that just because you were resurrected doesn't mean you're not going to die again so like lazarus died again and so in terms of life span after resurrection no idea um how they would have passed away stuff like that no idea um but naturally speaking there was almost like a second expiry date a second time that they they fell asleep um until the fulfillment of however you read revelations the fulfillment of the final days where everyone is then is 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 raised in the newness of life whether it's to eternal life or to mud hell um but yeah so i saw it as a confirmation of jesus being the resurrection and the life and with his resurrection we then almost got a taste of resurrection without seeing the fullness of it um but yeah i am happy to be wrong um but that's how i uh, how i have understood that passage historically okay because you know
5: it's it kind of states that they they rose after he died, not after he was raised. They only came out of their grave after he was raised. Yes, I was always Um, wondering, I don't know if anybody else has, in my head I was thinking that
1: I I do see a a key relevance in that they were only seen after he was raised. And so they were only seen after his resurrection. So even if Even as the Bible states, they were raised at his death, but no one actually saw them until he was seen. And so, his resurrection, in terms of verification, was first. And so, he still remains the first to be raised, in that he was the first to be seen raised. Mm
5: -hmm.
1: And then, who are these
5: states that you think arose?
1: I have no idea. I have no idea, but it has to be somewhat it has to be those who had faith in the messiah rather than in the torah but i have no idea who that would be there isn't any indication in terms of um new testament who that might be there's
5: two resurrections from the dead in terms of there's the one that happened when jesus was raised and then there's going to be
1: one again so no i i think i believe that there is only one resurrection um, uh, no, there can't just be only one resurrection because Jesus raised the dead. And um, we have the Old Testament prophets who raised the dead as well, some of them who raised the dead. Um, and so there's almost like a lengthening of, of earthly lifespan. Mm. And then there's the resurrection from the dead. Jesus says, like when when Jesus was speaking to Mary and Martha, he was like, I am the resurrection and the life and you will see it. Do you believe that um I'm paraphrasing like mad, but do you believe that Lazarus will be raised again? And then they were like at the resurrection at the end of time, and he's like, No, I am the resurrection and the life. And so seeing almost as like Yeah, there there is the the temporary resurrection? Temporary resurrection. Not so okay, so it's being raised in in new bodies as as Paul would say like this body is now dead and we're now raised in our heavenly bodies that that is the complete resurrection but if you are still in your earthly body then that's that's a almost like a a pre-resurrection like a not quite the fullness so it's like praying to be healed and being healed doesn't mean that you won't fall sick again. Mm. But we know that in the resurrection bro you're not going to be sick. There's a newness of body there's a newness of life you're in God's presence there there is a tree that like restores everything which is, again i find it strange that you're in a body that you can't get sick but there's a tree that heals every disease. Um it may just be God showing off. Um, (laughs) but just that sense of there is a fullness of God's, um, the manifestations of God's plans and purposes that happens at the end. And here we can almost taste of heaven. But that taste is still marred by the brokenness and fallenness of man until the fullness arrives. And that's, that's how I see it. That's how I have seen it historically.
2: Bro, I'm so happy I was not in the hot seat
1: today. Bro, that question was dope. Had you sweating there, boy? I don't even know if Adi is happy with it. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> that was good.
2: That
1: was good. That was dope. <laughs> that was
0: cool. All right, let's rock and roll with today's topic. Yes, sir. Nice. So I specifically asked Peter to try and find me some married men because of the content of this conversation. And this conversation was actually inspired by Peter. What? Oh. <laughs> yeah. so, oh. That is not a good sign. Let me give the backstory. Peter feel free to fill in or not fill in any details that I choose to specifically miss out. Okay. Okay. Great. Cool. So last Saturday? Last Saturday, right? Uh, My wife was out with some friends, and um, along their journeys, one of the places they went to was a sex shop where it had all the sex Mm. stuff, all the toys, all the all the straps, all the paddles, all of that good stuff. All of that. Now, Peter found out about this, and he became very excited. (laughs) 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 He was very excited when he heard about this trip. And and for the past, <laughs> and and he was talking about how you know we need more of this. We need to be having more of these conversations and more of these happenings. <laughs> all that he was he was Peter looking for a, a reason to bring out the latex. <laughs> just he just wait. <laughs> oh dear. And you know, so that's the backstory. a bit more of a backstory. So I've been. So, I've been married for 11 11 months now. Um, And it's it's interesting hearing the conversations that my wife has with her friends. And then recently, um, one conversation that she's been having with some of her Christian female friends is, you know, around the topic of sex and, um, you know, different facets of sex. Because sex isn't really talked about, like... In Christendom like that mm. And then it got me thinking Like guys Guys don't talk about sex Less than girls talk about sex And, mm. it, and it seems like On one hand we're supposed to have this Brotherly camaraderie And be there for each other But on the other hand it's like When it comes to sex Every man is an island on, on, of, of their own mm. and, and so I guess mm. my first question is Is sex among Christian men something that should be kept separate from what we share with each other and if so why if not how much should we share and what should we share let's start with that
2: <laughs> so <laughs> interestingly personally I, I i think it's a bit of a tricky one because Whatever you share about sex is not exclusive to you, if that makes sense. There are other parties involved. Hopefully, and I think... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be, we're gonna be very mature about this conversation, aren't we? <laughs> um, ideally, so many questions,
3: both. So many
2: questions. I know you don't another party involved, who, regardless of how much you share, whatever you share, has implications for. Mm. If that makes sense, there's another party involved. Oh. So, I think it becomes tricky because it's not just your story; it's not just your information, and whether or not that other party is comfortable with that information being shared needs to be taken into consideration. So, I think that that definitely might be one reason why maybe. I think sex becomes a less talked-about topic, but I'm sure there are others less, um, less gracious reasons why. But definitely in my head, that's that's one reason. Like no matter what I say, if I say something, everyone's presumption will be that I'm referring to my wife, and so you know, but then, want to but put then... it in that position.
0: But but then why doesn't that same protection extend to like marital problems in terms of like if you're going through something with with your wife like I feel like Christian men are more likely to talk about that with their friends and so mm. why is there not that same
2: protection over your wife in in that regard? Interestingly I think And I don't, I don't know, I don't know how the conversation, but I do think interestingly, any sort of um, counseling type conversations I've had with people regarding marriage, sex becomes is one of the first questions. Is how is the sex life? Because it becomes indicative of issues in the marriage. Um, My old church lighthouse, they had a whole. They literally call. Hey, it sex... names now, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm dropping this. No, because it's in their, it's in their sex manual uh, as well. Not sex <laughs> yeah, manual. But it's a in manual. Their... Come on. No, come no, no. I, I, and I actually say this. I actually <laughs> say this in a complimentary fashion because I think they do really well to demystify mm. and and sort of make it a lot more accessible. Even if I think they go a bit too far. But they've got a whole. They've got a book called Model Marriage. That's their sort of marriage counselling handbook, if it were, and there's a whole chapter that okay. they specifically tell you to not open until a week or so before the wedding with diagrams. And... Hey.
1: Come, on. Come on. Come so on. So they, they do that. but Hey fam, have they got a website? So I, might, might I, need I can send you the PDF.
2: I can send you the PDF.
1: Even better. Um, <laughs> Read that but, on the screens. But they do have um
2: they've literally got a thing called the Sexometer and it's oh, if you're not having sex a certain number of times, that could be indications of issues in the marriage. And I think I think that's a bit too far, but it generalises some of Ooh. the things. And, you know, it comes from, I guess, data and, and you know, the, the general populace. But, you know, it, it, it does come up, I think, at least when you're doing any sort of counselling, because sex in the marriage, the frequency um, and intensity maybe of sex in the marriage can be indicative of issues and the, the type, type of sex another. yeah definitely it definitely does come up I think but
1: yeah murder mm. the type of sex just slip that in there yeah mm, fam yeah. the type of sex so long as you and the missus agree that's your business yeah isn't that your favourite isn't that your favourite oh I was just about to say like one of my boys is like bro so long as it doesn't involve another person or animal you might not good to the what do. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus <laughs> You man are good to do what you're doing, and so I'm 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 sitting here contrasting it between before I came to faith and after I came came to faith. Before I came to faith, yo, man, we will talk about it, and like explicit, vulgar, whatever, conquest, however it is. Oh yeah, man, hit that or whatever. Like, it's all laid out. And it's all, it's it's part and parcel of conversation, to the point of even like, bro, man, them will be comparing porn websites and stuff. Like, it's it's just conversation. Like wow. facts, it's just conversation. Do mm-hmm. um, you be having a conversation that you might leave it with like three, four more websites than you even knew when you first started the conversation? <laughs> um, and, <laughs> but I I have found in my engagement with the church that the church's approach to sex and sexuality has been very lacklustre. Yeah. Mm. Um, it leaves a lot like on the table. We, we're all, we almost shy away from it. We, we, we almost hope that they will learn people will learn about sex through osmosis or something like, I don't know, like, it's just, it's just like, mm. um, and so, if you're raised in a culture that doesn't speak about sex unless to tell you not to have it when you're now in a position of having sex how do you then start that conversation Mm. how do you then like break this barrier that they have spent however long you try to be celibate for building how do you then break that um but if there was a healthy approach to sex or sex education or conversations around sex, even as people are single, even as people are kids. Because, bro, sex education starts in, like, primary school, young, young.
2: Hmm.
1: But the church will not talk about it. They'll only say, oh, yeah, sister so-and-so is no longer on the choir because she's been doing <laughs> stuff she shouldn't need to be doing. like
2: <laughs> She's been closed open open.
1: <laughs> you know, like that. Um... <laughs> so yeah it's like sex is just this thing which is just like icky and nasty and stuff but it isn't or oh, that's how it is presented um in my exposure to it whilst outside of the church is very much like nah like sex is good sex is fun but also we have the angle of for men sex is a display of your dominance a display of your prowess or whatever and so, you want to show your boys that, yeah, like I get girls or whatever. Um, and so, for me, for me personally, it, my approach to sex has been tainted by me before coming to faith. Because I'm like, all the time that I had spoken about sex has very much been around, oh, yeah, now, nah, man, hit that. Oh, yeah, like, or oh, wh- whatever. It's been from a conquest perspective. And my perspective now is my wife is not a conquest my wife is not like a sexual trophy and so the narrative that i have speaking about sex the church hasn't given me a framework to speak about it in a way that counter contradicts what i used to do it just hasn't given me a framework in general so what do you think if you had to like come up with a framework what would be some of the bones of it so I think a fundamental pillar would be, it would need to be honouring to both the marriage and my wife. And so what I mean by that practically isn't just presenting language, which is vulgar with the meaning, or isn't presenting language that would... Like, the last thing I'd wanna do is speak about having sex with my wife, and then my wife walks into the room and my boys are looking at her with like raised eyebrows. You guys are getting clapped. I'm not going to lie to you. If that ever happened, I'd be like, yo, if I'm getting out of my house, don't be looking at my wife like that. Like, it don't work. Um, I I would want to speak about sexual activity in a way that retains um, a level of respect for her. And obviously part of that is on on you guys' part because you guys will need to check your heart and blah, 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 stuff like that. Part of that is on you guys' heart. But... An approach to it where it isn't just yeah it isn't just like a smash and dash sort of conversation mm-hmm. and it isn't just going into the intricacies and nuance of it just for the sake of boasting there would have mm-hmm. to be a reason why i'm speaking about it so if i am struggling or whatever this and that you know if i man, struggling and that you know like it's I'll just be like oh do you, any of you <laughs> man take viagra and that because it's getting peak, you know like is it just speak mm-hmm. like obviously that's, I say, obviously, it's, it's not the case right now. It may be later on. I hope not, but it is, weird, isn't it? Man hopes <laughs> not. Man, man's trying to be like 75, 80, still being able to salute anything. But man. yeah, oh, why, why did you
2: feel like that was important to clarify? Exactly, <laughs> like I don't I actually... know. I honestly don't know. It's... Yeah. <laughs>
3: What you just did right now actually probably is more to the point of, well, I was thinking of, sorry, I probably interrupted you there more. No, go for it, go for it, go for it. Um, I wonder if it's not sort of two dimensions to that question, like the level of conversation about sex uh, with Christian men and then just simply with married men, right? Mm. Because I think, you know, we can talk all day about uh the church the church's attitude to sex but that affects both the women and the men right but Mm -hmm. it seems like christian women actually talk about sex more as christian married women talk about sex more uh than christian married men because you know take it from what rob is saying that the kind of conversations you hear your wife saying and yeah I actually try to make sure I don't try to, I don't overhear those kind of conversations um, (laughs) in my experience. Um, But I know those conversations happen and I know I don't have those conversations. So to me, it's probably more about us as men than it Mm. is about the church. And Mo, you've kind of been edging on some of the points there. Like I think it's the, it's the change of, of status for us and what suddenly sex, completely means something different right so before marriage and coincidentally could be before you know your faith or uh before coming to christ so even let's be honest while you're in faith you know mm. sex is more of a, a conquest thing, you know it's you know it's it's something to brag about you know uh all of those things but when it comes to you being married and this is about someone you love then it actually feels different because it actually relates to your vulnerability. Your vulnerability Mm -hmm. is tied into that topic now. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I now see it like the same way we kind of struggle to talk about our emotions and other things. It then becomes one of those things that you're vulnerable to talk about. And Mm -hmm. what you were saying earlier, Pete, as well, I think is also the question of, uh, well, actually, Rob's question about, you know, to what extent, We assume talking about sex, immediately means you talking about what you do with your wife. But actually, I don't think that's what our wives are talking about. Mm, There's a lot more conversations they have around other things. And I think mostly it's about them. You know, you can start Mm. uh, off the top of my head, at least the last two that I remember, it's, you know, someone's personal preference as to the frequency of sex. That's got nothing to do with your husband. That's purely Mm. about them. Mm. Your physical and emotional and mental state, before and after sex, that's nothing to do with it with the husband. It's about them, you know, how your body reacts to your husband, or how you know, there's been a change in how your body used to be with your husband, and after, you know, so there's actually a lot that they talk about without mm. give with, without giving away, uh, without breaching the privacy of their of their spouse. Mm. But for us, we don't think we can set those boundaries. We automatically just don't. And I wonder if it's just because it seems too yeah that's has to be too close to me being vulnerable
1: yeah you know yeah.
3: so i feel more like it's more of a change of before we got married what sex meant to us versus after we got married mm. you know what you know the the christian factor yeah that that's there's a little bit there but i wonder if we should actually look at it more yeah. in that dimension uh, first yeah i
1: like i like that angle stalker I, I i don't know for you man right now i don't know how <laughs> but it's like bro in no way, shape, or form would I We're ever talk about sex with us. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. In no way, shape, or form would I be able to say to my man then from back in the day, Yo, like after sex, I like to be cuddled, you know? Nah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sometimes it's nice to be the little spoon.
1: Bro, bro. <laughs> Just, just, yeah, like after man's done matching, just hold me in it. like, what? <laughs> Damn, <that> what you... <laughs> and yeah, there's definitely that element of vulnerability and the, and the emotional side that, again, generalizations and stuff, is, isn't part of the natural conversation. And it's like the funniest thing is, every man started laughing because every man knows, like, yo, what? Yeah, no, kind of. Um,
3: you're the, the best to. part of that is the fact that this guy said, as this comic that said, you know, even when you're married, you still don't want to ask for it, right? You don't want to say you're at least
1: be intuitive, really. <laughs> just know exactly, just know, exactly. Right. yeah. And I, yeah, that, I, I that wanted to say is, something, yeah.
5: Okay. Go for yeah. it, right so, ba- yeah. So, basically, when I was in uni, I, I, I asked the question, uh, and at the time a lot of people laughed about it and maybe a lot of people still laugh about it. I asked that, you know, at the time we were looking at talking about sex and I asked would the Holy Spirit, you know, He says the Holy Spirit would teach us everything. And I asked would the Holy Spirit teach us about sex. I remember this you know, I, I, remember this I think yeah. I
4: remember it. I think I remember it. Yeah, yeah.
5: It. <laughs> you know, and people told me basically you, you have to learn by yourself and everything like that. Uh, but I, I, I realized at that, that time from that question that I asked, that the question about sexual activity uh, in the body of Christ is not something that has been given much thought, or if it's been given much thought, it's not very common. So there are seven questions to ask usually uh, when you're talking about sex. Um, What does sex mean for men? What does sex mean for women? What does sex mean for God? What does sex mean for the church? What does it mean for the world? What does it mean for Satan? And then what does it mean for the family? So, you know, if you, if you have that framework where you're answering those seven questions, then it's easier to talk about sex in a broader context rather than just a personal context. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, f- for example, I don't have, I-, I didn't have any sexual activity with any women prior to marriage. Okay, so my wife is the first woman I actually had sex with ever. So, you know, for me, uh, sex was never about conquest. It was always mm. about doing the will of God from a very young age, because I got saved oh, when I was I 14, know. okay? So, so but, when I, but that doesn't mean I didn't watch pornography when I was 14 at the time. Mm. So I had the whole pornographic background, but as soon as I came to Christ, my first thing was God, I need my head to be changed because I want to see women in a pure way, the way you see them. Mm. And so I began to seek the Lord. What does sex mean for you? which is the first perspective because that's the original design and of course I'm an engineer so I'm thinking God when you created sex to be you know sort of like for men and women what did you intend and I think that Mm. if if Christian men can start from that place then talking about sex would be less weird because Mm. then it's more about doing the will of God more than it would be about just self pleasure you know and and also for for sex, for men, usually the answer is not very philosophical. It's usually it's a lot of fun, conquest. Uh, so this is more from a counseling perspective. Guys just enjoy having sex, you know. Um, I think one time a lecturer was found out that, you know, if, if he lectured past 20 minutes, people stopped paying attention. This is in class. And then he asked the guys, what were you thinking after 20 minutes? And I think 95% of the class, male we're thinking about sex and only 15% of what? women were not <laughs> thinking about sex. What's okay. something for the electorate? <laughs> <laughs> it, a, a it doesn't matter. It, does it, matter. it doesn't even matter. Okay, so, so, but the thing is that what he found was that what sex meant for women was very different for what it meant for men, mm. you know? And so when you ask to women, why do you have sex? And, and so if we're going to talk about sex, for example, for men and women, or the sexual activity, it always has to answer the question, why do we have sex? For men, it's usually not philosophical, but for women, it's usually deeply philosophical. You know, they want to connect to their husband, they want to feel love, they want to feel embraced, all that kind of stuff. Guys are just having fun, okay? And you could even see that sentiment even in the songs of songs as well. So I think that, yeah, if we answer the seven questions, what sex means, for men, for women, God, the church, the world, Satan, and the family, then I think we can just kick open the floodgates of actually talking about sex in a good context. Because then when you look from Satan's perspective, it will be totally about usury. It will be totally Mm. about defiling of the flesh. It will be totally about making sure that the body is not able to sort of integrate with the Holy Spirit properly. Because anybody who, who basically has sex outside of marriage or has fornication or adultery, they're sinning against their own body and the body is supposed to be a temple of God. And so w- what happens when two temples or two bodies that you know are carrying the Holy Spirit are having intimacy, sexual intimacy in the natural? There's supposed to be something that should be out of this world for Christianity. It should be much deeper than non-Christians because they don't have the Holy Spirit inside. So it means that the love that we have in Christianity should be even more expressed within sexual activity. If you see what see. I'm trying to say, it should make it more holy, and more beautiful to talk about, but sadly, sex has become a bit weird because of the worldly and fleshly aspect, and Satan and the world tainting what God originally designed from the beginning. But as you can mm-hmm. see, we to talk about this. I can go for another five hours. I'll, I'll just shut up and yield the floor again.
1: Bro, oh, hey, adding pamph- that pamphlet, that booklet needs to come out. Yeah, <laughs> Nicole. Yeah, uh, and I, I, yeah. Um, I'm curious as to David as well. If if you've got any thoughts.
4: Yeah, David, been mm-hmm. quiet over there. Yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, very enlightening seeing different, like, listening to different perspectives. But I just kind of want to touch on, like, why uh, m- my thought process around why men don't talk about sex with mm-hmm. their wives, uh, both Christian and non-Christian. Uh, and because I can I can see from both perspectives, because I have Christian and non-Christian friends. And what I find is there is an element of holding your partner in high esteem. Uh, and also when... When, when i think back to when i was younger when you know when I was around people that had sex and all they talked about was like you said earlier on Mo, it's about the conquest it's about what you did what did you try and it was more of a, a more interesting discussion it didn't matter about who you were talking about whereas mm. if you're in a marriage setting mm. it's a you know who you're talking about right mm. yeah, that's if you're faithful that is but you know who exactly you're talking about so <laughs> it, it become it becomes a, a matter of you know, how do you you know how do you approach that conversation without necessarily uh, reducing the esteem of the, the person you're in a relationship with mm. in front of your peers or your friends or your brothers? And so that becomes a much more difficult conversation to have. So in reality most men wouldn't share that information because they don't want their partners to look a certain way in the eyes of whoever they're speaking to. And they're just yeah. bringing it bringing it to a very basic level. you just find that women in general, share more and do more than men do it's just it's just almost like a natural thing i don't particularly know the the, the reasons why but it just mm. seems like women are more comfortable sharing on various levels but men there's a limit <laughs> it seems <Yeah. laughs> mm. but yeah i mean yeah that's that's what i basically bring it that boil it down to that's great mm.
3: mm-hmm.
1: i find it i think if yeah
3: i uh, now, I was going to just say to what David just said, that isn't it the same thing around uh, emotions as well, though, that young younger boys are not quite taught how to manage their emotions as much as girls are, um, in the sense that, you know, I, well, maybe not boys, but young men, you know, depends on where you grew up, I guess, you know, some, or your background, sometimes it's not okay to cry as a guy. Yeah. Sometimes it's not okay to mm. let loose on some, some emotions and stuff like that. So it kind of then cuts into different areas of our lives that we didn't really quite learn those things. And, mm. you know, mm. yeah, it's like, well, even when you're married and when you're grown up, you're still on the back foot as to, you know, learning how to share in an healthy way with people mm. that you can actually trust. Um, it was Tadashi, um, Mo and Pete, you should know Tadashi, uh, um, I'm a rapper that said uh, on, on Instagram recently that, as much as it grew up around women, you know, so much women in terms of sisters, cousins, he was raised by his mom and things like that. It felt like he never really learned how to have relationship with guys. Mm -hmm. He never knew, you know, he he had guys as friends all the way around growing up. And, you know, he could see the friendships that women built, but he didn't know how to share in a healthy manner with other guys. Um, So, you know, that's something that some men would rather run away and back away if they find a guy trying to share too much. So, you know, now take that a step, a step further. You now want to talk about sex like, yo, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and
5: and can, I, can I add to that as well? I wanted to say that also the church cannot play the role of the family. Uh, so there's mm-hmm. the place where I think that the family has a massive role in sex education, uh, both for men and for women, so it, mm. it seems that sometimes, as the Christian family, we've left that sex education to either the school or to third parties mm. mm. to sort of educate mm. our own children, or even you know however young they are. So I think that fathers, because of the whole realm of fatherhood, anyway, there's a massive gap. Anyways, you know, statistics. I think fathers should be having conversation with their sons about sex and what it mm. will mean for their future wives, and and you know maybe some of the areas where they've made mistakes. Some of the areas where they could improve, because if you could have that kind of conversation with your dad, then it actually lightens the mood. But most people thinking to talk about sex oh. with their dad just feels awkward
3: or weird. Well oh. actually, we have oh. to normalize it.
1: No. My, my first conversation,
2: oh. my oh. first conversation with my dad regarding sex was him. I'm, I'm still me...
3: waiting for that conversation with my dad, by the way. Well, <laughs> my, da- my dad just did, me the Maybe I, I'm no, I'm no longer waiting. Well, I gave up on
2: waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> my dad showed me the carpenter that used to work. Down the street. This is in Ghana. and It's like if you have sex, the girl gonna get pregnant. You're going to leave my house and go and become that carpenter's apprentice and take care of your family. <laughs> that was my sex education.
4: Oh, bro.
3: yeah. one on one, bro? Do you know what? Yeah. you have
4: that? Because I grew up with my grandparents, and I never ever had a conversation about sex. Everything mm-hmm. I knew or learned or heard mm-hmm. about sex was either through school, through friends, through television, or through media basically mm. Uh, mm. so you know there's a massive gap there uh, so it's, it's, I, I could have learned yeah. anything and assumed that was like the norm that was what yeah. like um that's what's expected of me essentially so mm. yeah massive gap you're right it, it, it starts in the family it's not it's not the responsibility of the church it's the yeah. church kind of helps and, and kind of shape individuals but it is it is a rest in the
5: family mm. yeah. yeah and, and I, also for yeah no, go for it so i was going to say i was going to say for the women as well you know on the, usually on the altar, it's says, who gives this woman away? And again, it's the father's responsibility to also give the daughter as well in marriage. See? So I think that there's a place where the father's responsibility to educate sons about what it means to actually have sexual intimacy, from all the perspective I spoke about, it, it's tremendously massive. So if this is why I think Paul was saying that if a man cannot look after his own house, how can he look after the church? So then, that would give us question: if sex is not spoken about in the church so much, how well are people doing it in their own personal mm-hmm. families? You see what I'm trying to yeah. say. So this is probably part of the problem.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think, um, yeah, bro. Like, <laughs> I've, I've I've never had a conversation with my dad around sex, um, and I've, I actually sat down with my dad to have a like a difficult conversation with him a couple of years ago, and just be like, yo, like, it's been mad. Um, but like, I was in like year ten, year eleven, and you know, you know when the when you first start hearing about the jokes, or uh, some McDonald's workers put sperm into the burgers, ha 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 ha. So, <laughs> and then we I never heard said, those jokes, bro. <laughs> Sorry. Well, <laughs> you, you it's in the milkshake, not
2: like, the burger.
1: It's
0: in the milkshake. <laughs> oh my god.
1: <laughs> so I, I I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, I came home and then there was on the news report something about McDonald's. i was in the room with my mom and i was like yeah 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 some of them put sperm into the burgers and then my mom goes what do you know about sperm i was like nothing i got up and left the room that was the end of the conversation but yeah it's (laughs) it's it's a case in which it may be cultural it may be whatever because i know that like i know that some white people fam floodgates are open them and mm. like their parents be downstairs and them and I have the sex upstairs. The parents are hearing it. It is just all mad. Um but the, their approach, the, the white people that I know, their approach to sex is different from the Afro-Caribbeans that I know. Mm. And so again, there there may be some cultural connotations there around sexual conversations. Um but also I do I do think that um from my engagement with sex from the jump it has been a male dominated environment it's like forget about the woman forget about the woman forget about the woman's emotion forget about your emotion it's about you it has been conquest it's been dominance it's been a show of strength a show of something um and with that connotation it then pushes out any real vulnerable dialogue mm. that comes into it whether in the church or not it does push out any vulnerable conversation in both like and, and the funniest thing is even the narrative from women towards men isn't emotional we, we've got we've got songs like um, Missy Elliot get your freak on talking about I don't want no one-minute man so now in your mind you're like yo i need to make my stroke, I need, I need to make my stroke, stroke last mm, mm. and again that there, there is this sense of being assessed by your performance mm. being assessed mm. even during this thing and so that even from the opposite sex it bro like talking about oh if you know if you can't last 20 minutes yeah go away or if you're not if you're not hung like a horse i don't want to talk to you like it becomes a measure like your manhood is tied to to the to to your manhood. <laughs> man. yeah. Which
5: which then which then which then I would, I would agree I would I would argue has to do with the biological aspect of sex. Mm. So all they're talking about in that instance is you know the fact that the woman can climax about three times during sexual activity. Whilst if the man climaxes just one time, they're kind of done. So, so the men has to have more patience, more endurance, and then that will have to do with the character. And, and this is what I'm trying to say. I think that, you know, if you look at the, the, the craving for a woman of sex, just usually now, especially if yes. they're not engaged in regular sexual activity with different partners, if they've just been with one man, and if you ask the woman, usually the first man is usually, you know, usually they remember that for a very long time. Because, you know, whilst for many we have many women is conquest for if a woman has many men she's a hoe you know it, it's not you know it, it's not seen yeah, as not, a not, trophy not in this, not in
1: this new mm-hmm. age not in this new mm-hmm. age not in new no age. i
5: know i know no i know yeah. but 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 then from the men's perspective though if you're looking you wouldn't want to be with a woman yeah. who's got like 20 or 30 body counts you know it's not count,
4: it's, it's not ideal enough.
5: you know imagine you, your lady comes, and it's like, yeah, I've been with thirty other guys, darling. You know, you, you kind of, you know, you'd have to <laughs> hear God from heaven to sort to of go there. You know? So, no, and again, know, like, and, sure. I, and I think that, what
2: <laughs> I, I was just gonna say, I think the standards now are changing significantly. Yeah. Whether or not that's right yeah. Yeah. is a different conversation, but yeah. I, I think it does actually cover. they're
5: not, though, Pete. Pete, statistically, they're actually not. Statistically, they're not actually not. I've actually been looking at this in the last few, about four or five weeks. So I'm a bit excited we're talking about this. And even in the world, they're realizing that the women are realizing that men don't value women with high body counts. This is just all men across board, across the whole world. If a guy sees a woman with a high body count, they're just looking at her as someone to just quickly have sex with and move on, not someone to get married with, stable and settle and bring home to their mother. That's not going to happen. Even into this climate, so to this climate the, the fem- has not changed feminist, that reality. The
2: feminist movement is trying to change that. That. Um, yeah. That. I know, that but notion. it's not working. But well, it's not working. <laughs> when you've, got, when you've got, think... got slut walks that are celebrated, I wouldn't know if i would say saying it's not working. You. Look at
5: the statistics. It's, it's not in, working. Well, so, I, I think I'm it's
3: more of, it's more of how, where we are now in this time and age, uh, how we are. Uh, out this, this whole thing about tolerances not it and how we are more you know we're less tabooish about certain conversations is mm. why it seems like yeah you know statistics might say the standards haven't really quite changed but people are talking about it a lot more you know a lot yeah. more women are actually willing to talk about their body counts uh more yeah. than before and uh, i think mm. it, it, i think it, it's actually more about the scale as well i think it's possible to have um, both the philosophy, philosophical and the biological arguments for both genders, right? Mm-hmm. That sex yeah, yeah. can be both things for both. But I feel like men just always, maybe we always try too hard to tip it, to tip the scale one way than the other, And women do. If that makes sense. In the sense that, you know, what men can actually feel quite mushy about sex, but we rather make it more about, you know conquest type of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Just the same way women can but, make it but, but women but women seem, seem to make it more about you know philosophical emotion, you know, touchy lovey dovey side of things. Do you get what I mean? So I feel like both both feelings and attitudes towards sex, there's a tendency to have both attitudes towards sex in both genders. It's just that, you know, what's the healthy balance, right? For yeah. each individual, right? What's the healthy balance mm-hmm. of you yeah. actually as a guy? actually treasuring sex as a beautiful emotional thing uh um, than for it to be uh a, a physical activity that gets you there you know and you know it, even in a marriage you know for some from some married men it might just be a one bam thank you you know got the job done got that tick done you know i got that each scratch that's it you know but is that it's that healthy enough just like you know maybe for women as well actually i think again, down to the culture and openness and talk being more, you know, open about talking about stuff. Women are more open to considering the fact that they actually enjoy sex as a physical activity as well. You know, it's not just an emotional thing of, you know, yeah, I've satisfied my man. It's about, you know, that connection with my man. It's like, I want something out of that. Um, you know, I would take it a step further and I would think back in the days, women didn't really care too much about their satisfactions, you know, climaxing and orgasm and et cetera, in a marriage. It was more about if my husband gets there, I'm good. Mm. But now it's getting, you know, people are saying, you know, women are more like, yeah, I would, bro, you better come back here and figure this out. <laughs> huh?
5: <There> you, go. <laughs> yeah. you better find that cheese so, okay, But this is the thing though. So what like I'm trying to say you know, it's a it's an an healthy, frequency. What's the healthy so... balance
3: is my question. So if you
5: if you ask most men right now, how many times a day would you crave to really go there? Most guys can have a healthy time, three or four times. Some men even crave sex seven times a day. If you ask your average woman, how many times would you want to go there? Not, I'm not talking about the extreme cases now. You're on the average scale. How many times do you want to go there? Most of them will probably say once a week or twice. And this is just... This is just from I think speaking be to real women it, who are looking at it. Think about what no, you no said I'm earlier. talking about, about what studies. you said earlier,
3: that I'm, I'm talking
5: about studies that have been done now. This is just more studies that have been done with a large scale of women. I'm talking about thousands and thousands of women. So it, I'm not talking in terms of just like my my hunch with the one or two women in no, mind. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm talking on the like, I agree scale. with you. Keeping
3: it scientific. Mm-hmm. Keeping it scientific. But what you said earlier, like you you know, once a man gets once a man releases it takes a lot out of you. I've heard people talk about, like, you know, uh, so apparently some guys, Kevin Gates, the name comes, you know, you might, some of you guys might know him as a rapper. What? I saw some interview where my man was talking about, apparently some people started practicing this sort of not releasing as a man, because you're keeping your virtue you're able to achieve more in life by not Seem- ejaculating. absolute yeah. pure nonsense in my Se- opinion semen because the <laughs> cement retention because there's something about you know uh ejaculating is um is about a mouse what's the you know it's you know it, it's it takes out the same <laughs> the same amount it takes about it takes it's, out the same yeah. amount of energy as you running a mouse or something like that but anyway
0: but isn't that, that why like boxing really... don't have sex before
2: fights so that that's, they that's can... also a myth that's also a myth yeah, yeah. it's a myth that's, that's like, that's like myth. going to
1: have it's a shower like things... and not using soap Fun. what's the point
3: <laughs> 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 all, I, all, I know, all i know is that i i, I had an exhaustive list of criteria before i chose my career i would have never gone into boxing if that was a pin. but anyway like, a man, <laughs> <laughs> a man, you're saying if a man you know releases like you know you're done but a woman could keep going kind of stuff so how can you say yeah yeah they up man, to three times in my in my mind in my mind i might want to do three times a day but my buddy is going <laughs> <Yeah, roll. laughs> to bro out.
1: i'm tapped <laughs> out just
3: i'm ready
1: talking ready about this? the
5: craving exactly but this is what i'm, saying. Oh, I'm yeah, talking the about craving men crave it a whole mind, lot more so
3: some guys body or the body some guys for life. example
5: will go to the club they'll go to the club take a lady home do what they have to do come back and take another one and take them home again <laughs> literally uh-huh. no some guys have done this no seriously seriously some guys can actually go that crazy mm. uh, and, and some girls can too by the way so i'm not saying this is your typical mm. you, you know i'm not saying the odd cases but i'm saying more on a general overall basis that the craving in women is, is slightly different from the craving in men because the why for sex is not the same thing usually usually mm. usually but i'm not saying that this is the case for everybody it's not like
3: a general rule right. i i agree with that so mm. it, it, more reason why i'm thinking it's more of the thing that it's generation after generation time and time again it's been our speech our gender's attitude towards sex that's kind of you know, wired our minds that way that we've not around arrived at that place. Because if biologically our body is not in tune with that kind of thing, then something has happened along the way to bring us to that place that our minds is not quite in sync with our body. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to, you know, talking about sex and how, you know, it's not a it, it, it's something that parents need to be, dads, fathers used to be conscious about, you know. And i think it goes beyond just being willing and ready to talk about sex in itself at some point with your child i think it's also about creating that avenue that opportunity for your children to actually feel free to talk to you for your yeah. sons to want to talk to you yeah. this is something that's actually becoming very real to me uh, as, as a father of both a, a boy and a girl by God's grace, grace so we went to nigeria recently sorry for the slight digress and um that experience Uh, One of the things that happened, uh, my brother-in-law, it was the first time seeing my seven-year-old son um, being so chatty and, actually, you know, he's not so much a babbling child, a babbling baby. He's actually having full conversations and, you know, he's got his own intellectual personality and all of that kind of stuff and engaging grown people in conversation. And he gave me a feedback that, although it was positive, it's actually been a bit of a pressure on me you know, about how my son feels comfortable to, my seven-year-old son feels comfortable to have kind of conversations with me, you know, no matter how weird it is. And then one day we went to my brother-in-law's house and uh, his girlfriend was there and then we were about to leave and then he was just going to leave. His girlfriend wanted to give him a hug and say bye, but he missed it. Uh, He missed, you know, the intention and then walked away. And my son saw it and he went and grabbed my brother-in-law and pulled him back to his girlfriend and said, great, give her a kiss properly. And to me, that was because he's associated what he sees with mom and dad do every time they wanna leave with this is what a guy must do with his mm-hmm. girl. And I realized that there is so much for me to pay attention to as to the things that my son sees. And then he can feel comfortable to tell talk, talk to me about it, right? Mm-hmm. So that has to I have to lay the right foundations to get up to that point that when the time comes, Obviously, I'm not. I'm not gonna speak about sex with my seven-year-old right now. But that time will come at some point in the future. Oh, I need. I need to. Uh, bro, You're
1: that's another thing know. that is kind of. You need to a, figure out what's brother. the right
3: time, right? It's not about the there, age.
1: Yeah, there's a brother that I and know. And that is that's, so much pressure, isn't book. it? He's got a picture book, and his you is bro demiser. Oh, yeah, oh Come on, drop the moves. <laughs> Like, yeah, like, a time let, me, let me take, a time a time let me take a time Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a picture book. The picture book's got a penis sticking out. It's got titties flipping. And there's a kid's picture book. And like I he's talking look. about, yeah. I, I was like, bro, so yeah. I'm yeah, I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet. But, yeah. but I, I'm I'm also recognizing that um I feel like the conversations, like rightly so, deviated slightly into why um, we're not having Mm -hmm. these conversations and like trying to understand some of the underlining stuff that is preventing us from doing this, but almost wondering Mm -hmm. what would help us as individuals have these conversations. Mm -hmm. I think um, Mm -hmm. both Ayo and Ade mentioned something that for me, I'm like, these two things are key. So Ayo, you mentioned first that, the, on on the women's side, from your experience, they aren't necessarily talking about the acts, but they're talking about themselves and their sexuality and stuff like that. And then idea you came with the look, uh, looking at sex from God's perspective, sex on man's perspective, from from the woman's perspective, and four other perspectives. But it's almost like, okay, cool. There's there's almost like distinctions that I can approach it from, not just the uh, oh yeah, man's hit that, oh yeah, now nah, I went to the club and I picked up whatever, like not. From that perspective, but very much just like, oh, no, like false. that. This, this, this is how, like, this um, this is how I'm sexually inclined or whatever. And obviously, there's going to be context to these conversations. Man's just not going to randomly come to the group chat and talk about, yo, is it? Actually, it it, it may be that case. I, I don't know. It may be the case. oh, oh fam. Like, yeah, it's not like or oh, whatever. Oh, boom, this and that. Like, it's three times a week too much for you, man. Or like, like whatever. Um. <laughs> random conversations and it just being normalised, recognising that I am not particularly speaking about my wife or speaking about the act with her, but speaking about my sexuality and how I engage with my body um, or whatever I am recognising. Or even just being like, oh, yeah, after man hit 30 and that, yo, like, the, the minutes are getting lower, you know, like, is it just me, fam? Do I need to go do some cardio or something? Like, whatever. Um, for me, recognizing that distinction, even during this conversation, it's just opened a new window or just like door that I never knew was there to be like, yo, okay, I can approach this conversation from this perspective. Which yeah, I, and, I, and sorry, I wanted, to,
5: I wanted yeah. to add to that point. The reason I brought in sex from God's perspective usually is because the whole sexual industry has been so perverted as well from a worldly perspective. And Mm -hmm. so as soon as you bring in the God perspective, then it gives room for talking about sex in a pure context and also, uh, you know, sort of like almost pushing away the whole worldly aspect of things so that we can look at it from a Christian perspective within the church, which is what I think Robert was starting with earlier on. Um, How do we talk about this within the body of Christ? So that this becomes like a culture that actually talking about sex is not something that's awkward, it's not something that's weird, and it doesn't even have to be personal because it, of course it can be i'm not saying it shouldn't be Some people could have some struggles and there's a place for counseling or things of that nature but if we can see what god intended with sex uh, from the beginning then it's a lot more joyful to actually talk about it actually liberates us to talk about sex a whole lot more uh, because when i look at scripture i think god's excited about the whole concept because it it does paint a bit of a unique picture, for example, when you look at First Corinthians 6, and and it says that a woman who is joined to an harlot is one body with the harlot, where a person who is joined with Christ is one spirit with him. God's using the exact sexual activity that joins the body of a man to a harlot to say that our spirit is joined with him. So I think that's a very big uh, thing to notice, that actually what God intended in sex is oneness. And so And so... What does that then mean for the marriage? What does that mean for the body of Christ when we're saying we're one? anyways. Yeah. I'm I not, think, think I'm not
2: saying... No, I'm you're not completely sure. right. I, and I, th- I think there's a couple of things there. One being, and, and something I'm taking from this conversation as well, is to be mindful of creating that environment at home where it's a conversation that, one, I know I'm going to have and I need to have, but one that my daughter will be comfortable having and you know whatever children will be comfortable having um but then also i think it's the fact that where the church has tried to play um they, they've tried they, they, they've taken it a step further where it's like no let's not talk about sex so that you're sticking your head in the sand if we don't talk about sex the kids won't talk about sex and that danger that is associated with sex because it is such a physical thing and because the Bible even rightly identifies all all sins you can resist sex flee so they're like no let's not talk about it or it's taboo my mom was like don't look at women don't look at women don't look at women and then 10 months after I got married it's like, where's my where's my daughter where's my grandchild you know sort of thing and I think making it such that I think introducing that God aspect is 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 important but not being almost scared of sin and I think that will come with having a, a good conversation about it and mm. having an open conversation about it where you're not scared that if we suddenly talk about it all they're going to want to do is have sex and then go and have sex with everyone and and all of that but actually we can do it with grace such that we recognize what it is and you know the other thing as well is that people used to be getting married a lot earlier Facts. and I think that that fits actually mm. a lot better with the biological with our biology such that you know when you hit puberty and you start having these cravings then you get married and you're almost safe but you know it, that's less less sort of practice nowadays and we're waiting until much later to get married and you know dealing with that for much longer and, and anyway that's but that, that's definitely something i'm taking away from it hey,
5: also, yeah at some more... point to oh i don't go at it. Yeah. No, I was going to say, to be good, I forgot my train of it would be good at some point to even talk about the impact of sexual activity outside of marriage, but what that means once you get married, even in the church. So, you know, when men say they've tapped that in the past, or they've had conquest, or when women have had high body counts, how, how is that played out in Christian marriages moving forward? Because most of the counseling problems and divorces that's happened, the more body count a woman has, the less she's able to actually... Um, have emotional connection with the man she's actually married to. Uh, so this is another big area of the whole body count disease,
1: mm. which is why
5: some feminists are actually going against the body count. And when I mean feminists, I mean
1: hardcore feminists are going against it yeah. because they're realising it's the lead to greater divorce, mm. so. Yeah, I, I think it, we're in that conversation as well, and I know that is deviating. I'm also mindful of time because we're, like, we're hour 20. The, half, yeah. yeah. Um, in that conversation, there, there would have to be space for abuses of um, sexuality in terms of like sexual assaults, rapes, and stuff. Because even yeah, if yeah. body count is even if body count is low, your body count can literally be two, but you've been raped. That experience alone will shape yeah. whether you're a male or a female. That experience alone will shape that emotional intimacy and the reciprocity yeah. that you have with your partner within that space and that again mm-hmm. shapes the way that narr- is like you navigate that space and i guess that then feeds that also feeds into satan's agenda with 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 sex mm-hmm. and how he's yeah. like trying to capture that narrative and trying to distort something that god has made so beautifully and so intentionally and he's weaponizing it mm. um and so yeah that 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 also is a um a deeply ingrained thing, not just culturally, but I just think across the board, but we have got like um, countries where rape is part of the military approach to like conquering areas. Like it's part, they, they won't waste a bullet. Mm. They would rather w- just rape the woman and save bullets. That's part of what their their whole approach. And it's just so perverse. And that then leaves, a long-lasting um implication um so yeah that that feeds into that as well um Mm -hmm. but yeah robert as well i know that you've been hella silent boy
3: yeah i was actually uh, gonna throw it back to robert and i'm glad both of you spoke before me because i was gonna say as beautiful as it is that yeah pete like said uh, and more um what I'm getting out of this is, you know, that consciousness to normalize and also mm-hmm. create an environment where we can talk about sex. But then I'm starting to think, actually, there might be at least two sides to talking about sex. They could be talking about sex as a as a concept, you know, which I think is a great deal of what the church is not even doing, but potentially only as far as the church can go, you know, to talk about how beautiful it is, how normal it is within the context of God, man. Uh, women, uh, church, etc., uh as Ada was saying. But that's kind of like conceptually, isn't it? But then there's also the practical side of talking about sex, which is where you put yourself. And that's where, it, like more what you're saying, it then comes about experiences and how, you know, you might have traumas and you need someone to be able to talk to you about certain things. That's yeah, more personal. I that. that is different. Uh, you know, uh, that conversation of sex is very personal and it's not conceptual. And I was actually going to use that to throw it back at Robert, that right at the beginning, and because you're being hella quiet, what were you asking about, you know, the kind of conversations about sex? Were you saying more of the, you know, why don't we talk about the sex as a concept, or why don't we talk about sex as a very personal uh, and practical thing in our lives?
5: Before before Robert answers, do you mind me just touching on that though? That the talking about sex as the concept is usually like the foundational theology to get personal. So if you see what I'm trying to say, so you need to start from somewhere, or you need to go back to an original model or design. So that's more the whole uh, my my thought behind that is It's almost like having a manual for uh, let's say you want to uh, do driving. You know, you, you would do the theoretical aspect first, and then you do the practical aspect first. And after that, so by the time you do the practical aspect, you have a theoretical aspect to work with. So, but yeah, back to rubber.
3: Mm. Adi just gave me another joke right there. You had (laughs) all the theory with sex before the practical brother. If anyone remembers what Adi said about him watching porn as a teenager, but they had sex before he got married. He had all the theory, but no practice.
5: Thank God. It worked well.
0: I think my my, um, inspiration around this question was that uh, it's just it feels like sometimes in general men don't be sharing with other men like things have to be get really bad before we want to open up with each other and yeah it it, it almost feels like in life we are our own little islands um mm-hmm. even like within a marriage it, like we can have that intimacy with our wife but still have that part of us that is like separated. And I think that even with sex, that is something, especially once you become a Christian, because like, like you guys have been saying, you want to honor your wife, um, you want to honor your wife, you want to honor the, the union. Um, but there may be things where you might have questions, you might have worries, anxieties, frustrations, and there's no real avenue for you to get those out or for us to even think that oh this is something i could talk to someone about um yeah so i was i was was just throwing it out there and yeah my wife was just talking about oh yeah we should be talking about this she's having a good old time (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and i'm like why can't the guys have that too you know and and, and like even on like a day-to-day we're not good at sharing what's going, on, what's going on, really. Like, sometimes it's really like trying to draw blood from a rock. <laughs> you know, trying to find out what's happening above the superficial level, mm. you know? You can talk about, oh, got the new laptop, got the new phone. But then... I feel like there's shots being sent here. But... Oh, no, 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 but... no, no, no. Just because that's what was talked about slally, slally, at the slally, beginning. Slally. So, so that's, what, that's what came to mind. But mm-hmm. even trying to get to that second lower level of like, oh, you know, what, yeah, the, the day was a bit hard, it was a bit annoying. Like, even that small level there, most of the time we don't get there. So to get into an even deeper level, it's like, we're scared. I, I don't know if it's not, it's, it's that we're scared, it's that in, in our minds, there's just some things that we don't talk about. And it seems like sex is one of those things that is is, is like one of those... Unspoken rules. We don't talk about sex. Mm. Yeah, you know? I think I can I count guess, on. I guess uh,
4: I'll go for sorry. David. Go no, for I, I guess just just like it's, it's a very interesting sort of uh, point you made there. I guess for me, like if I was to flip that around, I'd say like, okay, there's six of us here. If say you, Robert, had a question, so you within your sexual life or your sex life had a question or any sort of uh, any sort of thing that you wanted to figure out in relation to your experience with sex, would you ask any of the five other guys here?
0: Now, I'm going to Google. And, and I'm going the to question I'm asking, asking everyone me. as well. You
4: call me to Google. Google. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, so that is, that is, in essence, the problem here is it, it's, it becomes a. And I think there's certain connotations to certain questions. Like, for instance, if I come in here and I go. I've got, uh, like we started at the beginning of the call, you know, I've gone uh, Apple, MacBook Pro, M1, Pro Chip or whatever it is. That That's an easier conversation to have because, you know, man like moi is going to say X and Peter is going to say that. And it's a very easy com- conversation because it doesn't necessarily feed into our, our, pers- our you know, our deeper emotional, oh. like wh- where we are as a person. But if I go, well, you know, I tried to have sex with you know, ex lady or whatever, if I was married or not married, and yeah, I only lasted twenty seconds. There's a judgment that goes with that straight away, mm. and that, that's a very difficult conversation to have, particularly if you don't if you don't feel like you can have that conversation with an individual, either be your friend, your brother, yeah. you know, whoever. It's it's difficult. I don't think there's an easy answer to it, but I think there's a stigma yeah. there.
1: Yeah. I think right, I know. Time, I, I, Adi was Adi was poised. Um, no, no, no. no it okay. <laughs> oh, <good, laughs> um, That. Fine, that, fine. that. Um. I love. I love that comment, and I think it cuts directly to the heart of this. Where's how comfortable are we as men being vulnerable? Yeah. Because mm. as, as soon as we are able to be vulnerable, and we're comfortable with it, and we don't see. Because being honest, men's vulnerability has been weaponized to a degree in certain circles and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure that all of us have experienced it to different degrees. But how comfortable are we being um, vulnerable and finding a group of men who we are able to be vulnerable with and and actually utilizing that space for those purposes? Um, I know that Robert was like, you would Google it. And yes... Mm -hmm more than likely the knee jerk response would be Googling. But in terms of the furnace group, I would have no qualms, voice note a amendment being like, oh yeah, like X. But my initial response, my initial thought would be, oh, let me just Google search. But the reality is, it's only until we have genuine vulnerable conversations that we actually get to realize that more than likely, we're not alone in these situations. Mm. More than likely mm. the things that we think are out of norm aren't out of norm. They are the norm. Um, sometimes you can only last two pumps and that's cool fam, it's, it's a bad day, just hold it. <laughs> you know like that, just hold it. Um, some days fam, the Red Bull is doing the thing, so you're luck, but other days, yeah, you're tapped out. Mm. And that's the reality. But un- until we're able to get into that space of being comfortable, being vulnerable, we won't have these conversations. Um, and vulnerability, masculine vulnerability, is definitely something that we need to reclaim. Um, there's a narrative around it, and there are different propagandas and stuff, but we need to reclaim and reshape. We can't just allow the stereotypes to be pe- perpetuated. But yeah, um, yeah.
0: I think that not want to say something.
5: Yeah, <clears throat> sorry. I, I know I sound like a theologian or whatever, but just bear with me for a second. Okay. I think that w- design does matter because the way men relate to men, the way men relate to men, and the way women relate to women, will always be different. Um, and also because the way God designed men and the way God designed women, there are massive differences. So if you look at the Hebrew word for father. Um, the, the Hebrew letter is um, the aleph and the, the bait, which is the head of the house. So it's literally, in the Hebrew, it's the head, the structure of an ox, and then like a structure of a house. It literally, it talk about stability structure. But when you look at mother, it's the head of the water, the aleph and the mem, which is to do with almost like a life or filling things up. That's the sort of like general connotation you get from the Hebrew. So when you look at how a lady relates and how uh, her emotions and even the brain is wired, apparently, scientifically, women have more white matter than gray matter. Men have more gray matter than white matter as well. So it means that for for the men, we're almost like supercomputers. That's what the gray matter does for us. So it means that our thought processes and our thought patterns are totally different from women. So we usually would internalize something when we're trying to process while for the lady, they will try to search, because that's what, what the white matter does. They will try to verbalize and to try and search what's the problem. So when two ladies are communicating, you're basically having two basically high-speed super-internet try to search one another. But when you're looking at a man and a woman, you're looking at a supercomputer and an internet. That's usually the framework if you're looking at biology, but which, by the way, the Bible also suggests. So I think that masculine vulnerability, which most love you know, was talking about, And i do agree with you but i think that the expression of it the culture of it it will be it will look very different that's number one but number two robert as you can notice you're very good at doing you have a pastoral perspective so if you take for example within the church the fivefold ministry and you look at a teacher generally teachers if they're to approach the situation of how do we solve the problem of sex they're going to look at books, they're going to look at history they're going to look at science they're going to look at everything else if a pastor has to look at it, they're going to talk to people, they're going to be more personal. They're going to try and find out what's going on in the heart. How comes this is happening in your family background? What's really going on with you? So I think that God has given the gifts within the body of Christ to form a culture where we can talk about some of these issues a bit better. So really I think that each of us have to play a role in forming a culture where men can talk more freely about sex, can be more vulnerable, can talk about things that bother us more. But that would take time, it would take a lot mm. of time. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. I like but that think... coming up We need to pay our attention for the next generation. This is something that we're not talking about just weeks, months. It's really, you know, if we do it, hopefully the next generation will feel it. It's something a little the bit fact. more normal and then it get better get better. The fact. It's something that's beyond just us and now. Mm. Come on. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah. things have been a good conversation. I think it's definitely one to be revisited in mm. um, a bit later down the line. It's been good. It has been great.
1: great. Open the like real kind of worms there, boy. Yeah, yeah.
0: and like, I haven't I, I had, I haven't had a few other questions I want to ask, but didn't even get to ask them. So maybe next time, on another episode, another one of these sex episodes. Oh um. <laughs> <But> yeah. Um, <sighs> Yeah, not on. <laughs> hookups Hookups, does does anyone have any hookups? Anything that they want to tell the listeners about that they might find useful. It could be an app, it could be a book, it could be a movie, whatever.
1: I've got I've got um I'll jump in first. Um Anime on I think it's a Crunchyroll original situation. And I think it's very, it's very, it ties into this conversation as well. It's called Chainsaw. I think it's Chainsaw Man. Chainsaw, Chainsaw Man, Man Chase. Chainsaw yeah, Chainsaw Man. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to like that, like give away everything, but the main protagonist, his, the whole reason he's trying to do what he's trying to do is to feel up Gyal. Like that's the whole reason he's trying to do what he's doing. He's just after Gyal. Um, and he can turn into a yeah. chainsaw. He turns into a chainsaw. yeah. He, he can turn ch- turn into a chainsaw demon. Um, so he's like, yeah, yeah. Make of that what you will. But yeah, he's <laughs> he's just after he's just after girls. He's trying to get a feel up. He's trying to live his best life sexually. Um, and I feel it's, it's it kind of flows in with it. So yeah, chainsaw man. That's my hookup.
0: It's a good series. It's a bit wild and all over the place, but it's You uh,
1: um, can watch. <laughs> can't watch that around that's the great
4: because that's great because uh, i'm i've never watched anime and i'm looking to watch it so i I go a subscription for crunchyroll so maybe i'll add that to my list and then,
0: oh i don't think that should be the first one you watch if you're to okay. get it. straight into the deep end um, all right i'll
1: leave that for now then but okay add it um, to the list though add it to the list anyone else I haven't um, okay this, i can go time, but
4: yeah. yeah go for go. david uh, um so i've got two if i can uh um, yeah, so ahead. there's a show on netflix uh called from scratch uh if anyone hasn't watched it it's really good it's very emotionally engaging uh kind of feeds into a lot of like real life issues that we, we find particularly as uh, black people as men as uh, you know Married couples, you know, emotionally, financially, there are loads of like angles within that show. So, well worth a watch if you, if you can. And the second one is a podcast called Very Presidential, um, and it's if you love American politics, it's about you know some of the great presidents of uh, the United States of America and some of the damning details that you don't necessarily know about them. So. Yeah, <laughs> really good, really good listen. So, yeah, that's
5: dope. Well, so I had two as well, but just quickly: so Acts of Marriage by Tim LaHaye and Redeeming Love by Francine River. Two books, that's good.
0: Mm. Redeeming Love is a really good book, so it a, it's a really good, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm coming back. <laughs> Ayo, anything <from> you? <laughs> nah, <not for> <laughs> Cool. Okay. Um, I've got two as well. Then, first is an app I found today. It's called Google Lens. You just found this today. Yeah. Okay. It's great. So basically, you you get your phone. (laughs) Peter's ashamed of you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. Yeah, you can just stay over there with your no hookups anyway. So, yeah, Google Lens, you take a picture of something and then it will show you results. Similar to what you take a picture of, and it could be a live picture. It can be like a photograph, and it'll, it'll, it'll find stuff in the photograph, and find places online where you can find that thing in the picture. Yes, that.
3: Yeah, and you, can, you can also use it online, like if if you're looking at some a part of a picture online, and you can't find the whole picture, um, you can use Google Lens. So it comes in handy for like. Uh, trivials or quizzes, so we had like pop quiz at work today. Uh, um, okay, not saying some man's were trying to cheat, but one of the questions <laughs> was like, You add images uh, from a movie and you have to guess the movie, okay. so you can just use Google Lens to search, and then obviously, hopefully, you'll find a movie. Cool.
0: And then, my second uh, hookup uh, along the lines of today's topic today is a website, there's a company called. Tingle touch. <laughs> <laughs> the good, yeah, tingle touch. Um, they're a company that um, creates like sex games and sex activities. I think they've even got like a like a like a romantic, sexy advent calendar. And so, hey. and so every every day you open it, and there's like a like I think there's like a chocolate or a toy or something that you can use or whatever.
5: Come on. Yeah. Um, How did you find? It? It's, hey, it's, it's yeah. not X-rated or anything. Oh, it's, 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 it's
1: it's really extra. Extra. <laughs> from a website called Tingle Touch. I, I, I'm not expecting anything <laughs> to not be X-rayed. <laughs> I plead the blood. <laughs> <laughs> what? Jumping on the two on the hookup thing as well. I recommend this book: um, Sex, Romance, and the Glory of God. Hallelujah. Ooh. This this book has been has been a lot by. Um, CJ Mahani. Okay. Sex <coughs> romance and the glory of God. Like the whole premise of this book is off of um the whole book is just based on the Song of Songs. So yeah, like he kind of digs into it and goes, yeah, so it's dope. It's dope. Cool. Um, guys,
0: where can we find you? Can can we find you anywhere online? Any 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 what's it called? Handles. Social handles.
1: If you want to
5: yeah. share, yeah, yeah, sure. Info yeah. info at his house. online, a- Or you can find us at a- Info com at com com
1: dot uk, Or info com at one? authenticchristianity.com. Just ask for it. Just <laughs> ask for me. But ask <laughs> me first name basis. They fam got you. <laughs> Just Google my name. His house. Fam, <laughs> they got you. <me.
4: laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I'm
3: just AY360, I think, anyway. Cool.
4: (laughs) Yeah, and I'm expensive, 87 uh, everywhere. So,
1: yeah.
0: Great, wonderful. Um, Moses, do you want to plug the exhibition that's coming up?
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: We tried to do it last week, but we were very bad at it.
1: I'm mad. First (laughs) solo um, photography exhibition coming up on the 12th of December in Kingston is, is part of Kingston's um, Black History Month um, stuff. So and Scribes has taken over Kingston University for their Black History Month and we're putting on different shows and my first photography exhibition is a part of that. It's around um, finding and um, wrestling with value in a land that doesn't always um, welcome you. Um, so yeah it's kind of using the water and stuff so yeah it's on the 12th of december from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. it's free if you want to come down up in kingston um we'll be dropping the yeah. so. so it's not in the university itself it's right it's beside the station so i'll, I'll give i'll give like the postcodes and them things there or or you can just go on the, on the instagram hmush all the information is going to be there even go on writers Subscribes scribes Instagram at writers Subscribes. um information is there as well so yeah first solo exhibition Stay for the shots thanks for reminding me as well
0: no problem all right let me do this outro thing um shout out to Reed for the intro outro music Calvin Turner for the Audrey Image logo you can find us on Twitter at the Furnace UK on Instagram at TBS Furnace. you can email us at tbsfurnacehotmail.com you can find us at soundcloud.com forward slash the Blacks' Furnace, no apostrophe. On all good podcast websites and apps, the Blacks' Furnace with an apostrophe. And that's it. Thank you guys for coming down. joining our conversation. Shout
2: out. I saw it as 9 to 10, and we've gone till 11. So thank you guys for real. Yeah. yeah.
1: I hope I'm God like, multiplies your sleep, boy. Amen. I have another meeting. I'm not getting any. stress.
4: <laughs> stress. <laughs> All right. All right well, this is the well Blacksmith's
0: well. Furnace signing out. All right. thank you.
1: Good
2: looking.
0: Okay. Oh, I just got. <laughs>